Hey, for y'all that don't know me, um, my name is Ryan Huff, and I'm the men's pastor here at Destiny Church. We just want to welcome you. If this is your first time um, being here today, we just want to welcome you. It's an absolute honor and a blessing to have you choose to worship with us. And there's a, there's a card in your seat or the seat back around you. It's a connect card. If you would just fill that out um, later this afternoon, because I'm going to preach for a long time, um, we're going to pass the offering buckets, and uh, if you'll put that in there, this is a way we get to connect with you in a way that we can just come to know you, no strings attached kind of thing. But, and I do want to apologize on behalf of the first-time guests um, here today. If you are here because your friend invited you here to hear some absolutely amazing stud, <clears throat> bring some absolute message, and knock it out of the park, or you've seen something on social media about Marshfield Church here at Destiny having a brand spanking new awesome pastor. Um, I'm sorry, but you're just going to have to wait because Mark ain't preaching today. Um, y'all stuck with me, so that means you're going to have to wait. Um, you know what? You're going to have to come back. So that's just all that means. So well, Pastor Mark had asked me to, uh, to speak, kind of told me, forced me, didn't give me really a choice, said I was speaking kind of deal. Um, so here I am today. But you know, how many of us know that there, uh, there's no growth in our comfort, right? Like when you're comfortable, you're not growing, you're not moving, you're not doing something. So sometimes we need to be encouraged or pushed or forced, <clears throat> stretched, picked up and absolutely placed onto the stage, um, you know, in order to grow spiritually. So that's kind of where I'm at today. But I want you guys to know that, you know what, I'm not, I'm not a preacher, okay? I'm not, uh, here's the scripture, here's three points, here's the closing go home kind of preacher. That's not my calling. I'm, I believe myself as, as an encourager. Um, I'm the men's minister, and I love to be able to encourage and minister to people. So that's what I consider myself as. So if you came here today to break down a message and to critique a preacher, then you might as well get your notebook out and start writing because there's going to be a lot of stuff that you're able to critique. But my prayer this morning is, is, is this, that I bring you a word of encouragement and hope. That whenever you walk out those doors, that by God's grace and God's presence, you leave changed. That's my prayer this morning. That your faith is increased. That you grow in Him this morning. <clears throat> so you guys enjoying this series that we've been in, Asking for a Friend? You guys been enjoying it lately? It's been a pretty good series so far. Um, so we've discussed why should I believe the Bible? And why do bad things happen to good people? And I told Pastor Mark, thank you, brother, for not giving me that one for my first one, because I definitely did not want to handle that one. But he did such an amazing job, you know. We see that we're able to relate with Job and his sufferings um, in those things. So, but it's been pretty good stuff, because it's practical questions that most Christians have that we ask, or that we don't ask, because we're embarrassed, because we think we should already know the answer to. So I've been loving this series. It's been pretty awesome. So I got free choice of the question for today. So you guys ready? You guys ready to dig into it and get after it? I need some excitement. Hey, listen, first service was terrible. They were just like lame and like four or five of them were sleeping out here. I kept having to throw pins at them to wake them up. So I need, listen, I need some, I need some encouragement this morning, okay? My, my voice is going out and um, man, I need, you guys to, I need you guys to back me up. So you guys tired of waiting for it? You ready? Okay, today's question, how long? Do I have to wait? How long do I have to wait for it? Whatever the it is that you're facing, how long, God, are you going to make me wait? So you ready to quit waiting and get after it? Lord, let's pray. Father, I just thank you so much for this opportunity. Lord, I pray that um, it's not about me, that you receive all the praise and the glory, but that you use me as a vessel to bring your word to these people. And God, I pray for each and every single seat that's here right now, God, that you start opening their heart. That you start softening it, God, open their hearts, their souls, their minds, 
And God, my prayer, Lord, is that their faith is increased today in a double portion measure that we can't even fathom. God, that you do a mighty work in this place today. And God, that we leave changed on fire for you. I love you and I praise you and I thank you. Amen. So does anybody in here like to wait? Anybody? Nobody likes to wait. I didn't get no water the first service, so I'm getting it this time. But nobody likes to wait. But good things come to those who wait. Yeah. Your grandparents ever tell you that when you was a little kid or your mom and dad? Maybe you're that parent that tells that to your kids. Oh, honey, you're going to have to wait for that. Good things come to those who wait. You know, your parents talk about that old, that old proverb, and that's not from Proverbs. Like, you know, we want to be all biblical and spiritual. You know, the Bible says good things come to those who wait. <clears throat> but you guys know what I'm talking about, especially you husbands out there whenever your wives try to get you to do something that you really, really don't want to do. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Be all biblical. Baby, I'll get to it, just not right now. Kind of like when they're scrolling all day long, and they're like my wife, and she's scrolling all day long on Centrist. You guys got that app on your phone? Like men know it as Pinterest, you know, but it's actually Centrist. That's what I call it, because it's a tool from the enemy. It's literally created by the devil and given to women and some men, probably, to be able to sit there and scroll all day long and look at stuff and covet what other people have and then force their husbands into building it for them or hanging it for them. Anybody? Just me? Oh, honey, can you make this? I found this on Pinterest today. Or, hey, can you hang this? I made this on Centrist today. And then you're like me. I mean, my friend, of course, you know, because he's the one asking, not me. You're like my friend who says, I'll get to it, but you're going to have to wait. But she's like most women. She's resilient. She doesn't take no for an answer. and She doesn't give up. And so she keeps asking and asking and asking. And you're like, babe, I'll get to it when I get to it. I'm busy. You don't have to keep reminding me every six months. So. But they don't like to wait. You see, none of us do. I absolutely hate to wait. So what happens when we get sick of waiting or when they get sick of waiting? They take matters into their own hands, right? They do it themselves. So then you walk home in this brand spanking new house that you built, that you spent your life literally just pouring into and brand new sheetrock on the walls and brand new paint and it's awesome and you come home one day and there's holes everywhere and there's pallets and wire spools and Pinterest literally just threw up in your house. Um... You know, and your eye starts to twitch a little bit, and you're like, what in the world? And not, not even that, but it, it's not even square. Nothing's level, nothing's square, nothing's evenly spaced. It's just flung out everywhere. Your OCD kicks in, and yeah, that's, that's kind of me. But you know what? They can't wait, so they take matters into their own hands, or in my wife's case, a hammer. <clears throat> what about fixing? Is anybody in here good at fixing stuff? We have any fixers? I'm going to tell you something. I find myself pretty handy. Um... I was an inside wireman for a long time, so I can build high-rises. I did construction for a long time. I can build hospitals, powerhouses. I, I play with 345,000 volts of electricity. Now I'm a lineman. Um, I think of myself pretty handy at times. But when it comes to mechanicing and fixing stuff, <laughs> I'm out. I'm out. You get me doing something that I'm not called to do, there is not a fruit of the Spirit inside of me. Not one. So I, I remember a story... <coughs> We had this old John Deere lawnmower, and I was too cheap to go buy a new mower, and I thought, man, I could just, you know, I'm going to get every single ounce out of this mower that I possibly can. So I had worked on it 67 times already, and I got half the yard mowed, and it broke down again, and I'm back in the shop fixing it again, and Macy had just come home from, my daughter had just come home from church camp, and she's all bubbly and excited, right, you know, to tell daddy about church and what God did in her life, and I'm like, cool, and it's hot, and it's miserable, and I'm sweating, and I'm frustrated, and I'm mad, 
And then I'm working on this mower, and Manny pulls up a five-gallon bucket, and she's sitting there, and I like, can I help you? You know, and then I'm like, I can't even help myself. I don't know what I'm doing. How are you going to help me? So her and Macy proceed to talk, and Macy's going on about how church camp was and how great it was. And as a dad, I should have been really listening and been encouraging, but I wasn't because I was trying to fix something, and I was missing out on an opportunity to the point of they were about halfway into their conversation. I just remember standing up and taking the mower and flipping it over and over and over and and then walking back over there and flipping it back over and over and again. And I remember Macy like looking at this, this crazy look on her face, and she's like, maybe we should go in the house. I'm like, maybe so. That would probably be a good idea. <clears throat> but you know what? I was trying to do something that I wasn't qualified to do. I was trying to do something that I was never intended to fix in the first place. I tried to take matters in my own hands. And usually for me or my friend here that's asking this question, um, it creates more struggles and more frustrations than it does anything in our life. And it usually leads me down a path that's not very glorifying to God. Anybody can relate to any of this? Anybody? I'm not just the only crazy psycho non-mechanic in this place. <clears throat> you know, okay. So, hey, if you have your Bibles with me, turn to 1 Samuel 13. We're going to start in verse 6. I want to read you guys a story real quick. So I'm going to give you a little background first. So the Philistines and the Israelites have been at war. For those of you who don't know, Israelites, good people, God's people. Philistines, bad, bad guys, right? So Israel has been demanding a king. All these other countries have kings. Israel wants a king so bad they can't stand it. God keeps saying no, no, no. Finally, God says, you know what? I'm going to grant you a king. If you want a king, here you go. Here's your king. Deal with it. So Samuel anoints Saul as king of that time. Saul constructs an army because they've been in battle with the Philistines for a long time. So Saul constructs his own army. Um, they're engaged in war. But right now, where the story picks up, they're outnumbered and they're stuck in hiding. So starting in verse 6, it says, When the Israelites saw that their situation was critical and that their army was hard-pressed, they hid in caves and thickets, among the rocks and pits and cisterns. Some Hebrews even crossed the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. Saul remained at Gilgal with all the troops there. With all the troops with him were quaking with fear. He waited. It says Saul waited. Seven days, the time set by Samuel, but Samuel did not come to Gilgal. And Saul's men began to scatter. So he said, bring me the burnt offering and the fellowship offering. And Saul offered up the burnt offering. And just as he had finished making the offering, Samuel arrived. And Saul went out to greet him. What have you done? Asked Samuel. Saul replied, when I saw that the men were scattering and that you had not come at the set time and the Philistines were assembling at Michmash, I thought, now the Philistines... I thought, now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal, and I have not sought the Lord's favor. So I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering. You have done a foolish thing, Samuel said. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord God gave you. If you had, you would have established your kingdom over Israel for all of time. But now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him ruler of his people because you have not kept the Lord's commandment. Because you didn't wait until the appointed time, and you took matters into your own hands, now you're going to lose everything. Everything that God's given you, you're going to lose. <clears throat> so he's, Saul's trapped. He's in this battle. He's engaged in this war, and the enemy's getting closer and closer. And it says, his men were quaking with fear. 
They had doubt. They had worry. So frustration had set in. Aggravation had set in. Doubt, loss of hope, trust, belief. When all these set in, he took matters into his own hands and he did something that he wasn't qualified or called to do. He made the sacrifice to God. You see, Saul was a king, but he wasn't a priest or a prophet. He wasn't called to be able to make sacrifices to God. Samuel was the only one who was allowed to make a sacrifice, a burnt offering to God. So because of King Saul, I said Samuel, I meant was the only one to offer. If I said Saul, I'm sorry. Samuel was the only one qualified to do that. But because he was disobedient and he didn't trust, and because Saul wasn't willing to wait, he lost it all. Did you catch that in there where it said literally the moment that he made the burnt offering, Samuel showed up and asked him what he had done? See, he waited the seven days because that was the appointed time, was seven days to wait. And it was the seventh day. If Saul would have just waited a little bit longer, a little bit longer, the situation would have been different. Maybe you're hung on to hope right now. Maybe I'm just telling you right now to be, a work, to be an encouragement to you this morning. If you're dealing with something, just hang on, okay? Just hang on just a little bit longer because if he would have just held on, things would have been different. Church, I wonder how many of us are sitting in here today stuck in the exact same waiting as Saul was. You've been praying to God to give you an answer to, or for him to do something, but you've literally gotten nothing but silence. And you're pleading, God, how long do I have to wait? And how many of us in here become just like Saul and we become frustrated and we take matters into our own hands because we get scared, because we become unsure. We feel like our hope is lost. So we give up, we quit praying, we quit seeking, we quit waiting, and we try to turn to things to cope or mask the hurt, to heal the pain, or to try to fix the situation. Things that are only going to hide the pain or the hurt temporarily. But in our minds, it makes it better because we can actually feel it. And it's there when we want it. We don't have to wait for it. But in reality, they only make the struggle worse. But I'm tired of waiting. Tired of calling out to God and not getting an answer. What's the use in praying anymore? He doesn't hear me. He doesn't listen to me. What am I supposed to do? Wait. I love how the prophet Habakkuk cries out to God. He says, how long, O Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Or King David in Psalms 4 when he says, answer me when I called to you, my righteous God. Like how he gets all, you know, answer me when I called to you, but then he gives glory, my righteous God. But we want it right then and we want it right there. King David's crying out, have mercy on me and hear my prayers. Doesn't that sound just like us, church? I know what does me. I hate to wait. I am not a patient person. And she says amen. She should say amen. But I don't want to wait. I want an answer now, God. Are you listening to me? Do you hear me? Do you hear my demands? Do you hear what I need? Can't wait anymore. That's me screaming at God. And you know God doesn't yell back, right? So in the still, small voice of a whisper. He calls back, do you hear me? Wait. Trust me and wait. The waiting isn't our strong suit, right? We want fast. 
Anybody like fast stuff? Fast food, fast cars, fast internet? Yeah, amen. Fast conversations? Yeah, amen. That's why we text, right? LOL, IDK, BRB, SMH, K. Because we can't even put OK in there. Don't ever text Pastor. This is what I found out, church. Don't ever text Pastor Mark, Pastor Josh, or my wife, K, ever. Don't ever do that because you, you better at least take the initiative to know that you invest and you love them enough to put an O in front of that. Or trust me. Hey, I'm preaching this morning. You might say amen on that. But you see, we don't even, we don't even want to take time to have a conversation because we want it fast. You see, we want the destination but we don't want to endure the journey that it takes to get there. We don't want to endure the journey that it takes to get there because there might be struggles and trials along the way. We might have to wait. See, I'm fixing to go to Florida next week, and I cannot wait to get to Florida. But I'm telling you right now, I am not looking forward to the 13-hour drive it's going to take to get there. I want the destination, but I don't want to have to go through the journey. So we don't like waiting in traffic. We don't like waiting at the drive through But we can't wait till church gets over, right? Now, we can't wait to get out of this place. We want fast preaching. Sorry, not today. You're going to have to wait because I got a word. Plan on him teaching you something today. And I want you to be excited about that. Come on. Waiting is to stay where one is at or delay action until a particular time. It indicates that one is eagerly impatient to do something, to remain stationary. Patience is the capacity, listen to this, the capacity to accept or tolerate delay, trouble, or suffering without getting angry or upset. Do I need to say that again? It's the capacity to accept or tolerate delay, trouble, or suffering without getting angry or upset. And we got the suffering and the angry part down, church. We're good at that. We are good at getting angry quick. But check this out. I want to give you another part to the rest of the definition of wait. It says to look forward to expectantly. So it says that you need to be stationary. You need to be stagnant. You need to be eagerly impatient. You need to remain firm. But it also says to look forward to expectantly. King David in, in Psalms 5, 1 through 3, he says, Listen to my words, Lord. Consider my lament. Consider my groans, my cries to you. Hear my cry for help. Hear my King, my King, my God. For to you I pray. In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you, and I wait expectantly. And that's hard to do sometimes. The waiting is tough. But it wasn't easy for King David either. And many of his psalms start off with these cries of anguish like it did in Psalm 4, where he's crying out to God and he's mad at God saying, God, listen to me. God, I don't have no hope. The enemies are outside my door. They're closing in. Do you hear what I'm telling you? I need you now, God. And he's crying out in all these psalms. But every single one of them reverts back to where he gives praises. When he ends his psalms, he ends with praises and he always declares God king. And he says, I wait on you and your will expectantly. See, because he wasn't just waiting and being stationary and stuck and idle until he received confirmation from God. 
David was actually being active in his waiting. And in Scripture, waiting is actually means to be active. It's to be doing something, to be expecting something. You see, waiting is an expression of faith, of being open and receptive to God. To wait is to be patient, which literally means to suffer, to be acted upon rather than acting, or to be receptive to the action of others. So to wait and be patient is to trust. It's to trust that God is at work. Even when you can't feel it, even when you can't see it, even when you don't understand it, even when He doesn't give you an answer, and even when He doesn't give you the answer that you want. You question what He's doing. Wait with expectancy. Sounds a lot like faith, doesn't it? You see, faith is a willingness to trust God, trust in His ways, His answers, His timing. It's where our hope is found. It's where we have the assurance of His promise. And Hebrews 11.1 says, Now faith is the confidence in what we hope for, and it's the assurance of what we do not see. See, faith isn't a warm, fuzzy feeling. It's not the goosebumps that you get or the chills that go down your spine sometimes whenever worship's going on because we got such an amazing worship team and we are so absolutely blessed with that. It's not the goosebumps. It's not the fuzzy feeling that you get. That's not faith. It's complete trust and confidence in Him and His promise. It's an unwavering belief and a commitment. It's a definite decision not only to believe in our minds, that Christ can save us, but to put our lives into His hands and fully, fully trust Him for our hope and our salvation. That's faith. It's trusting and believing that God is moving and doing something greater, even when we don't feel Him, when we don't get the answer that we wanted or that we had hoped for. And somebody in here needs to hear this today. You guys ready? You sleeping on me? You good to go? Come on, church. I need you with me. I need you backing me today. God's not punishing you by making you wait. Do you understand that? God is not punishing you by making you wait. By not giving you the answer that you want, God is working inside of you. He's growing your faith. Your faith excuse me. He's preparing you for greater things that He has planned for your life. Things beyond your comprehension, your understanding. He's not punishing you. Is it hard? Yeah. Extremely. Does it test you? Absolutely. But God's preparing you because He wants to do something inside of you. He wants to build something inside of you. He's not doing something to you. Write this down. I don't have like points and all that kind of stuff, but I want you to write this down. I want you to remember this. If it doesn't challenge you, it doesn't change you. If it doesn't challenge you, it doesn't change you. You see, we want the quick, easy fix. We want to lift one way to do one workout. We want to look like Pastor Mark over there. You know, we do. that's what we do. We want to eat, drink one protein shake or drink one Atkins carb deal and lose 25 pounds. We want the quick, easy fix. We want the destination. We don't want the journey. You see, it's tough work. It's a mindset. It's determination. It's a challenge that actually changes you. 
Faith doesn't grow in comfort. It doesn't grow when your demands and your requests are always instantly met by God. It's in the waiting. It's in the trusting. I want you to answer this question honestly right now. Would you need him? Would you need him? I mean, absolutely desire him with your whole heart. If every single time you threw a prayer up, he granted it instantly. Would you need him? Answer is no. We wouldn't. We would whenever we wanted something. We'd need him. We'd go to him. Do you think we would desire him more? Do you think we would pray more? Do you think we would question more? Do you think we would worship more? Do you think we would seek out something? I think we'd stand on his promise. Do you think we'd listen for his voice? Do you think we'd try to trust him? No, the question, the answer is no. So God's going to allow some struggles in our life. He's going to allow some opposition in your life to increase your faith, to make you seek him while you wait to pray more, to dig into His Word, to trust Him. He wants to change the character inside of you. He wants you to listen for His voice and trust Him even when you don't understand and you don't want to, and even more when He doesn't give you an answer, even more in the silence. So here's the deal. Listening in the waiting is more than just being quiet. It's not about just sitting there. Listening for God in the waiting means that you have to be present. See, we have to elevate our faith. We have to change our perspective to understanding and trusting that He has a plan, that He knows what's best for us better than we do. So there's going to be opposition. There's going to be struggles. There's going to be periods of silence. There's going to be periods of waiting. Suffering has to be endured in order to for our faith to grow, in order to elevate our faith. And Hebrews eleven six 6 says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So if you're in the struggle right now, you know what that means? He's working. If you're in the battle right now and you're in the struggle right now, God's doing something in your life. That's good news. If you're going through it, He's working. He's doing something in you. He's growing you. He's strengthening you. He's not working against you. He's working in you. Elevating your faith and doing immeasurably more than you'll ever, ever understand. And look, I'm hoping to give you a word today. I'm hoping to give you encouragement. Maybe you've been in a long season of waiting. Maybe you're searching for the answer that you've been praying for for so, so long. Maybe you've lost your hope this morning. See, long seasons of waiting, just like whenever Saul took matters into his own hands. He got sick of waiting, but long seasons of waiting inflict doubt. They inflict fear. They inflict resentment, anxiety. They cause addictions. They cause depression. They cause discouragement because we turn and put our hope and faith into something that will never bring us true happiness or satisfaction. And then it just leads down to more disappointments and more struggles so we begin to allow our struggle or our desire whatever we're praying for or wanting so bad to become our focus our unanswered prayer our want becomes an idol in our lives we define ourselves by it and we tend to lose sight of the only thing 
that can bring us true joy and happiness. We start recognizing ourselves for what we want and what we are. Hi, I'm Ryan. I'm a depressant. Hi, I'm so-and-so. I'm an addict. We let that become an idol in our focus in our life. We become so consumed by what we want or what we want delivered from, that's all we focus about. We lose sight of the only thing that matters, the only thing that will ever bring true joy and happiness. You see, we want to define our goodness and our happiness by what brings us the most comfort. Then anything that threatens that, it causes us to question God's love and His promise to us. We don't get the answer right away, or we did get the answer, but it wasn't the answer that we wanted. So then we start doubting, does He even listen to me? Does God truly, really even care about me? We've got to shift our perspective. I want you to take an evaluation this morning. I want you to think, how strong is your faith? As you're sitting there right now, how strong is your faith this morning? Do you trust that He knows what's best for you and His timing is perfect? Or do you just need Him to give you what you want? Is that your faith? He's just a guy that can give me what I want when I need it. And that's the only time I'm going to go to Him. Because I'm going to tell you something, church. If you're waiting on God to answer your prayer before you start walking out in faith, before you start waiting in faith, before you start taking Him at His word, before you start standing on His promises and trust the process, you're not going to get the answer you're looking for. It's waiting for you to respond in faith. If that's you today, can I just tell you, if you're in the waiting, there's a purpose. There's a purpose. He's working in you. Be strong and continue to wait. I know it's tough. I know it's hard. I know it hurts and it's painful and it causes pain. There's a plan and there's a purpose. Put your faith and your hope in something greater. He's wanting to do greater things in your life. Because Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. It's not our strength. We can't wait on our own. We're not strong enough. But through him, we have the strength. And he's wanting to do immeasurably more. We're asking for something. We're asking for a need to be filled, for a desire to be met. But God's saying, I want to do something greater in your life. Something immeasurably more than you could even fathom right now. Just wait. Can I just say this? I don't care where you're at in your walk, whether you're down here or you're up here on the mountaintop, you're in the battle, you're in the struggle, God can and still will use you, no matter where you're at in your walk. Somebody needs to hear that today. In our str struggles, in our suffering, in our fight, God's still able to use us. What we go through and what we have to endure in the waiting season, it's not opposition. It's not opposition. It's an opportunity. Flip your perspective on that. It's an opportunity. It's an opportunity to increase our faith, to change us, to teach us to become fully reliant on Him, to trust Him more. It's not a restriction. It's not a punishment. Whatever it is that you're looking for, whatever it is that you want to be delivered of, whatever it is that you're waiting for, it's an opportunity to elevate your faith. And sometimes it's hard. 
And once you start viewing it as an opportunity and not opposition, your perspective begins to change. Things start aligning up with the way God's viewing it. See, we look at it as God trying to hurt us or inflict pain on us. But once you start viewing it as an opportunity to grow in yourself, but it's also an opportunity to be able to minister to others. Anyone ever said, God, I surrender? I'm all yours. You can have it all, Lord. God, I want to be used by you. Oceans, that song, come out. Lord, take me deeper than my feet can ever wander. And God wants to bless that. You're all in. I surrender. I remember hitting my knees and being like, God, you can take it all. Take my life and use it for your glory, God. And God says, okay, I'm going to bless that. And then he does. And struggles happen. And opposition happens. And what's the very first thing we do when that happens? We beg and we cry for God to take it away. God, why are you doing this to me? Why are you making me wait? And he said, you prayed for it. You guys ever prayed for patience? Anybody ever prayed for patience in here? And then you get patience, right? Because God puts struggles in your life and trials in your life and things happen and the kids drive you absolutely crazy and then you start griping for God to help heal you? You prayed for it. He's growing you in your faith. What did you expect was going to happen? Don't ever pray for patience. Listen, people, it's not Starbucks. You can't grow up there to Tammy or be like, man, I don't need a, well, what's the big ones of Starbucks? Verde, what, Grande, I don't know, whatever. You can't go out there and be like, look, man, I want, a, I want a Grande Joy today with some love in it. And yeah, give me a shake of goodness. Um, what's some other ones? See, oh, I need some faithfulness because I, I lack on faithfulness every once in a while. Yep, I need some of that. Man, I need lots of joy in my life, though. You better give me a double shot of that, Tammy. I need a double shot of, of joy in my life. You can't go through all nine of them seven of them and get to the last two and go, oh, but don't give me patience and self-control. Heck no. It gives me heartburn. <laughs> I don't want that. But we, want, we question. When God sends stuff our way, we start doubting. We start questioning. Now he's against me. No, you pray that you were all in, that you wanted to have purpose. God, I want purpose in my life. God, help me find my purpose. Help me walk in my calling. Okay, but I'm going to grow your faith first. I'm going to test you. You're going to endure some struggles. You're going to endure some pain. You're going to have to go through something because I've got a plan for you. I'm working in your life. But we get frustrated and we get aggravated. And then we just check out. Kind of like I did after I prayed that prayer. See, I used to be involved in a ministry where I would be able to it, disciple men and minister to men. And there was a lot of men that would go through this thing called depression. And I, was this, I never understood it. And I would always, you know, that was back when I was like the spiritual rock. You know, I was up here and I, everything was good in my life. And it was easy to praise God because I didn't have anything bad going on. And I would just tell, man, I don't know what you're going through. But you know what? God's greater, man. You don't need that. It's a lie from the enemy. You don't need that medication. You don't need that. Self-inflicted stuff happens later on that I've produced in my life. Start slow decline on a season of depression that's been going on for now, probably about three and a half years. And at first, I'm praying 
God, take it away. God, why would you put this upon me? I've been doing good things for you. Why, why am I going through it now? God said, I'm not taking it away. It's for a purpose. I never understood that because I kept seeing it as opposition in my life. I kept seeing it as God trying to punish me. God made some bad mistakes. I did. And this is just repercussions that God's given me. Now, now I've just got to deal with it because that's what we got to do. And I began to understand how people feel and why people don't want to get out of bed in the morning and why people don't want to go outside and why people don't want to be around other people because hurt people hurt people. To the point where the enemy used it to bring on guilt and shame and doubt and fear and worry and all that stuff in my, exactly what Saul went through. To the point of where I spent one Saturday night down in the middle of my field trying to figure out how I was going to take matters into my own hands. Because I didn't feel like dealing with the pain anymore and the shame and the guilt. Because I was sick of the waiting because he wouldn't take it away. Got asked to speak. I hadn't spoken in two years, and I got asked to speak one Wednesday night at a church, and it was just like a little 10-minute deal. Wasn't no big deal. Didn't think it was anything about me. I'm just going to go out there and do you know, what we're supposed to do. Really, honestly, didn't even pray about it. Just went out there and just spoke, kind of numb. You know, wasn't even in that stage of that desire to do that anymore. And I had people come up to me afterwards that were dealing with the same struggle, that we're dealing with the same hurt, the same pain, and they wanted to pray. And I wanted to pray. And I'm like, you can't ask me to pray of you. I'm dealing with the same thing myself. But God said, even in your struggle, even in your doubt, even on your darkest days, even when you're walking through the pits of hell, I can still and I still will use you. He flipped my perspective on it being opposition in my life, on it being something that he had given me to deal with for punishment. And I started viewing it as an opportunity to minister. I seen people out there who I didn't know were hurting. I seen people out there who were dealing with the same thing that I dealt with. I honestly believe that I was sent there to possibly influence somebody because God had a plan and a purpose to possibly save their life, to possibly be vulnerable enough to step up and step out in faith and say, this is where I'm at, to make an impact in somebody. But I'm going to tell you what it did. I thought I was ministering to them when in return they were ministering to me and it ended up saving my life. And I wonder how many opportunities, church, that we've missed for someone who is lost. Someone who's lost all hope, the hope of salvation through Christ. But because we've been so concerned about me, because we've been so concerned about us, that we've missed opportunities in our walk. How many times we've been sitting in a waiting room waiting on our chemo treatments and there's somebody that's sitting beside us that doesn't have the hope and the knowledge of who Jesus Christ is. But because we're so consumed and we're so worried and we're dealing with our cancer, God, why are you doing this to me? That we're missing an opportunity. We're sitting in our AA meetings or whatever, wherever we're at. We don't have the opportunity. We just want clean, man. God, we just want delivered. I'm not even worried about my faith right now. My salvation's secure. 
I prayed the prayer. What if they have it? See, for us, for those of us that are in here that have our salvation secure, even in our struggles, even in our trials, even in our darkest seasons, we're good. We have eternity. We have hope. But what about those that don't have that, that they're in those darkest seasons? They don't have the hope of who Jesus Christ is. So when you shift your perspective, you begin to view it as opportunities instead of opposition. Instead of self, we're able to breathe life. We're able to minister hope to someone who doesn't have it. And church, let me tell you something right now. That's definitely worth the wait. If you have the opportunity to give somebody life and hope in Christ and salvation, you know what, then whatever you've got to go through, whatever you've got to suffer through, it's worth the wait. Because ultimately that's what it's about, right? That's where our faith rests. Waiting requires patience. Waiting requires vulnerability. Waiting requires faith. Check this out. Faith will change your perspective. Perspective will change your expectation. And your level of expectation, that's going to determine what you receive. Can we say that again? Faith changes your perspective. Perspective changes your expectations. And your level of expectation will determine what you receive. Can my worship team go ahead and come forward, please? So I'm asking you today, what are you expecting? What are you expecting? If you're here expecting that God's not going to move in your life because you've walked through that door for so long, so many times, and you're just going to walk out the same way, you don't expect God to do anything in your life, anything different. This isn't a different Sunday. It's the same old Sunday, same old routine. Or if you came in here not expecting to receive anything at all, then that's exactly how you're going to walk out. Because you have a lack of expectation and a lack of faith. I'm closing here in a minute, but I want to read a story found in Acts chapter 3. So we've gone over the first part of that chapter, but I want to read another story in that chapter. Maybe we didn't go over that story. Maybe it was a different story we went over. Maybe I went over it last service. That's why I thought I was going over it this time. There's a story found in Acts chapter 3. It says, One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put there every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter then looked at him and said, look at us. So the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk. So taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's, heat, man's feet and ankles became strong. Then he jumped to his feet and he began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement of what had happened. See, this man 
was lame. He was crippled. And every single day for his whole life, somebody picked him up and they carried him to the gate. He was placed there to beg. He was stuck waiting. Every day he sat there and waited and he begged until whoever got done inside the temple who carried him in there would pick him back up and carry him back home. You know what? Maybe he had prayed for a long season for healing in his body. Maybe it never came. So maybe he just stopped asking. He got sick of waiting. Maybe he was unsure of what faith even was. Maybe he didn't know that he could ask for healing. Maybe he'd always just been that way and just begged for money just to do something to get by, to live his life. We don't know. The Bible doesn't specify the reason. But it does say this. It says he looked to Peter and John expecting to receive something. You know what the great thing is, though? What he received from them was far greater than anything that he was even asking for. Far greater than whatever he was asking for. See, this guy was begging for money. Do you know what the best thing about it is? It wasn't even the healing. You guys thought I was going to say it was the healing, didn't you? I was going to say it was even greater than what he was asked for. He got healed. It says he walked into the temple. He went into the temple walking, jumping, and praising God. This man came to know Christ, church. This man came to know Jesus Christ. Yeah, the healing was great. It was greater than what he could even ask for because he was begging for money and he got to stand up and walk and he'd been laying his whole life. But I'm going to tell you something. He had an encounter with Christ is what happened. That's the greatest thing. That's the main thing. He received salvation. His eternity was forever changed. His faith was in the healer and not the healing. I wonder if we desire the healer was our focus on the healing. Do we want the healing more than we want the healer? Do we want forgiven more than we want the forgiver? Church, do we need saved more than we need the Savior? Because here's what I believe. I believe that so many of us walk in here every single Sunday and we come in lame and we come in crippled and we come in distracted and we come in hurt and we come in depressed and we come in diagnosed and we come in scared and we come in doubt and fear and worry and anxiety. We come in confused or we come in here because it's the right thing to do because it's what we're supposed to do on a Sunday morning. Maybe we've been praying. Maybe we've been waiting, but we haven't been expecting. Maybe we're praying for something that we think that we need or want. But God's trying to give us something greater, something beyond our comprehension. Maybe you've been waiting on God to move. Maybe he's waiting on you to move. See, you're waiting on God, but God's waiting on you. But we choose not to whatever reason. We like who we become. Pride. Fear. So when we're dismissed, we walk out those exact same doors 
that we walked into an hour and a half earlier the exact same way that we came in or were carried in because we lack the faith and we lack the expectation of what God can do when we're in his presence. We lack the faith. I'm going to tell you some church, listen to this right here. If you've been praying for God to fix something in your life, if you're praying for healing in your life, if you're praying for forgiveness in your life, let me tell you something. It's already been done. Over 2,000 years ago when he sent his son to die on that cross to shed his blood, it was done. It was fixed. Maybe you're lacking the faith today to even believe that much. Every head bowed and every eye closed in this place. First thing I want to ask is if that's you lacking that faith this morning. I'm asking you to acquire that faith. I'm asking you to take courage, not on your own strength, but on His strength. If you're lacking that faith this morning to believe that God has done that already on the cross, will you stand to your feet this morning? Thank you.